you ever, you ever been around somebody and they do something and you, you, you either say out loud or to them or to yourself or you just think it, why'd you do that? Or you, some of you, some parents this week, you, you had that conversation with your, with your young people. What were you thinking? Seriously, it's not a rhetorical question. What were you thinking? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. You weren't thinking, right? No. You, so you have those conversations. What, what, why did you do that? What, what, why? Now, sometimes it's all about dumb things that people do, right? We ask our kids, why did you, why are you doing that? Sometimes, though, I get curious about why people do things, even when it's not dumb. Like, really, okay, tell me why, why did you do it that way? I'm curious, why would you do that? Or why would you go about it that way? I'm just curious, help me, help me understand, help me learn. When, when I read the Bible, there are times like that for me. When I just look at the life of Jesus and say, why did you do it that way? Why, what, why, why? that i'm not saying obviously jesus never did anything dumb that's not the point but why why that for example when i when i read the story of jesus and he goes into the temple and he and he clears everybody out and he's yelling and screaming he's cracking whips imagine jesus doing that and one day I'll, honestly and, I, and i'll be preaching this here in a, in a couple of weeks you know i thought about actually putting this into action just what would you do if i came in like indiana jones and seriously i've got a whip and i'm and i'm th- I throw everybody out. Some of you say, yeah, early lunch. I don't know. But, but what would you, you know, what would you do? How would you respond if, if, you know, if you were there in the temple that day and literally all you're doing is just getting ready for the Passover. And this madman walks in screaming and yelling and throwing stuff around and runs everybody out. Why did he do that? We'll talk about it in a few weeks, but then I look at Jesus on his way to Jerusalem for the crucifixion and he across a fig tree that doesn't have any figs on it and he curses it and he says I hope you never produce figs again and in fact he's not saying I hope he's saying you will never produce figs again and they come across it the next day and it's dead but it wasn't even fig season why did they do that yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you remember that story you've ever heard it it wasn't even really the time for figs and he says you're, you're done you're dead and it died well, why did Jesus try to hide early on in his ministry who he was you ever notice that in some of the miracles? And he told them not to say anything. A guy was blind, now he can see. But shh, don't say anything. What? Sometimes Jesus does stuff and it doesn't immediately make sense. Why did he do that? The story we're going to look at today is one of those, when I read it, it's a really cool story. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's an incredible story. But I wonder, okay, why? why? What was the need for that? Why did you do that? It, it's a classic Bible story about walking on water. And it's made its way into popular culture. We, we still talk about this. One of my favorite movies is Tombstone. Some of you know that movie. It's, it's, uh, it's about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and the cowboy gang and all that. And so anyway, there's one scene in Tombstone where Wyatt Earp, he is on the rampage, basically, and he's going after all these guys who are the outlaws. And, and, and there's a scene at, at sort of a stream, kind of river, and, and, and he goes out with his one shotgun, and he's going to take on everybody out in the river. And he does it. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's cinematic, you know, miracle. He, he, he pulls it off. And, he, and, he, and there he goes, and he, he gets all of them, and he never gets touched. 
and there's 50 guys shooting at him, but they, but nobody ever touches him. You know, it's kind of like the stormtroopers. They're just bad shots apparently. So anyway, so, so they, they shoot at him over and over. They can't hit him. And later on around, you know, after they, they get done with the gunfight and so on, Wyatt Earp takes out all of them that he can. The, the, the fellows are sitting around and, and Wyatt is gone somewhere. And, and somebody says, where's Wyatt? And Doc Holliday says, he's down at the river walking on water. <laughs> You know, it's made its way into popular culture. When we say somebody's walking on water, you know, man, there, there, there's something, there's something about them. They're special. They can do things nobody else can do. We've got those folks in our lives. You know, the old Randy Travis on, I thought that he walked on water. You've got people like that in your life that you say that, I mean, I'm just in awe. Look at what they can do. Look at who they are. Walking on water. You, you, ever, you ever known somebody that, you know what, they're, they're kind of rotten, but grandma thinks that he walks on water? You know that person in your family? You should probably sitting close to him this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Golden child. Mamaw thinks you're perfect. If she only knew. <laughs> but we all have those people. Somebody who, who walks on water is somebody that we think can do no wrong. Somebody who does amazing things. Somebody that, that we might even kind of worship being all of. And I, I really think that, that that, that idea that has come down through popular culture, I really think that that's pretty close to the reason that Jesus walked on water. He wanted to show us something. He wanted to demonstrate something about himself. I think that's a clue that we'll see in today's story. Why did Jesus walk on water? Let me tell you some reasons why he didn't, okay? Before we even get into the scripture, I can just tell you outright, he wasn't doing it to show off. He did not. Now, I would have done that. I'm going to be honest with you. But y'all check this out. You know, and it wouldn't have been the famous last words of redneck. You know, watch this. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been that. It, it would have, it would have been y'all seriously, guys, I can do anything. Check this out. Watch me. Here I go walking on. I would have done that just to show off. I could, I'm gonna be honest with you. Jesus didn't do it to show off. He wasn't doing it. So they'd say, oh man, you know, he, he didn't do it to take a shortcut across the lake. It, it would have been a shortcut. It was a shortcut. He, as we'll see in the story, he sends out his disciples across the Sea of Galilee, and it's several miles across and several miles more around. And Jesus could have said, well, you know, I mean, they say that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I can walk on water. Watch this. I'm going to take a shortcut. He didn't do it to save time. He also didn't do it to build his legend or his reputation among the crowds. Jesus was not looking to confuse anybody, and he wasn't looking to build a crowd-like following. That wasn't his purpose and his mission. And he didn't do it just because he could. He wasn't a guy with superpowers just saying, well, I can, so I might as well. That's not what he did. Why then did he, did he do it? There's something I believe that he needed to show his disciples that they needed to learn and that he needed to help them understand and to reinforce for them something he wanted to show them. And I think by extension, it's what he wants to show us today is we're going to look and read through this story of Jesus walking on water. I hope that what we learn today is the same things that he intended to teach his disciples back then. So turn in your Bibles, if you got one, Mark chapter six. Mark chapter 6, there's a, there's a Bible there around your seat somewhere, either in the pew or chair in front of you, or maybe it was sitting on the pew and you walked in. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you, grab that one, turn to Mark chapter 6, or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet and that's your means of getting the Scripture, go ahead and get there. Mark is in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, then Mark, so it's a second book. And we're looking this morning, Mark chapter 6. 
in uh, beginning in verse 45, we'll read through verse 52. Now, what, what happens is what we saw last week in our Bible story series is the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus performs this incredible miracle where he is demonstrating for all the people, here's who I am and here's what I can do. And so, so that's where we, that's where we pick up the story is right after this. Okay. So look in verse 45, Mark chapter six, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. He saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. Some of your versions may say the wind was contrary. And I I like that word a little better than just the wind was against them. It was a contrary wind. It's bad. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Now I want to stop real quick and explain this briefly when it says they didn't understand and their hearts were hardened. We get different parts of the Bible that will tell us that someone had a hard heart. What the disciples had was not a heart that was against Jesus. They were just a little thick-headed. That, that's, what, that's what's being described. They, they just were a little slow on this one to understand. He was throwing some things at them and showing them some different things. And, and they, uh, you ever had somebody do that to you? If you're a teacher, you know this, right? You get a classroom full of kids. And at least three-fourths of them are giving you that look all the time. Huh? If you're a preacher at Elm Grove, you know the same look. Because <laughs> some of you give me that look right now. What? But you know, that's the look that you're getting it, it, from the disciples here is, uh, <laughs> and I was cool, but what? Uh, okay. And so he knew, he, he knew that they didn't fully understand. They're not, they're not against him. It's not that kind of hard heart, but they're just not understanding. They didn't understand about the lows. Jesus had shown them that, you know what? Let me, let me just, let me really show you who I am. In the old Testament, Moses was given manna from heaven for the people. And then Jesus does a miracle feeding 5,000 people food from heaven. And then he goes on to teach them, look, this is just a symbol of who I am. I am the bread of life. Like you don't understand who you're dealing with. I am God. I'm the one who gives you eternal life. That's what he was trying to teach him. And they just couldn't understand it. They didn't get it. So he does another miracle to show them some of the same things. And we'll see what Jesus wanted to show them. And by extension, show us. And that I believe is the reason that he walked on water. Why did he? I think there's at least four things. We're just going to kind of break this down by how he interacted with his disciples, but I'm going to give you four things today that hopefully will hit you right exactly where you need it to and help you right exactly where you need help from what Jesus did here. Four different things that he's going to show us that really all build toward the fourth one and help us understand a little bit more about him. Anyway, in, in what we see first, he's going to show us, uh, why did he walk on water? He's going to show us first that he is aware. Look, look back at verse 45. 
he made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. So he says goodbye to the crowd, verse 46, and he goes off to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And then he saw them being battered as they rode, because the wind was against them. So he, they're out on the water. He's not. He had sent them out there. In fact, it says he, he made them go. I don't know the conversation that took place. I don't know if they were saying, uh, you're, not, you're not coming with us. Um, what, you know, why, why are we doing this? Why do we need to go? You know, can we not just hang out? I, you know, hey, I got a few questions about what just happened. Because there were 5,000 men, not including women and children. And we had five pieces of bread and two fish. And they all left really in a food coma. They were, they were stuffed. Can, I, can we just take a time out and debrief that? Instead, he says immediately, get on the boat. Go, leave, see you. I don't know how that went down. But, but they're out there because Jesus told them to go out on the water. And it wasn't easy. In fact, water for the Hebrew people had always been something they were really scared of. Maybe you have your own phobias. For them, it would have been water. It was something that symbolized uh, confusion and even death and, and things that made them afraid. And on the Sea of Galilee, there were storms that would whip up because it was sitting in a valley and, and the, the wind would whip over the hills and the mountains. And all of a sudden, these storms would blow up out of nowhere on the sea. And maybe they were thinking about that as they got in this boat and Jesus isn't with them. So he sends them out alone to just witness a miracle. And they probably had questions, but he says, no, 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 go, go, go. Now, thankfully, there's no storm this time, as in the last time they did this, when Jesus, if you remember that Bible story, was sleeping. He's taking a nap as the boat is being tossed all around. Thankfully, there's no storm this time, but they run into a very difficult wind that keeps them from making much progress. The wind was strong and it's relentless and they're rowing and rowing and rowing into the middle of the night. And it's frustrating and it probably seems pointless. And maybe they wondered, why are we we doing this anyway? Why are we... He's over there praying or doing something, whatever Jesus is doing. And here we are, out here on the middle of the lake, struggling. Making very little progress for hours. And it says that he saw them. How did he see them? Was the moon really bright? Three or four miles out on the lake. Could he, could he, could he, or did he supernaturally say, I don't know. However it was, he was aware of what they were going through. He knew what, what was happening. They were not alone. They were not forgotten. They were not abandoned. They were not going to deal with everything on their own indefinitely. Somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere in the middle of all that rowing, somewhere in the middle of that frustration, they probably wondered, they probably thought, we all just give up. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And, and, and. I I know without any shadow of a doubt that you and I, you know what it's like to row against the wind like that. You've been there in life? You're there right now? Is that why you came today? You know what it's like to row against the wind. To do what you've thought that God wants you to do for years and you've made no progress. None. And there you go. And every time you row, you just stay in the same place. You're not going around in circles. You're going nowhere. You'd rather go around in circles. At least you're moving. You're not going anywhere. 
and you're just staying right there. Maybe it's in a relationship that you have or want to have. And you've just been doing what you feel like God wants you to do, but that marriage still falling apart. Or it still ain't happening. Or maybe it's a job that you, you've just been praying, God, I, I mean, I, I'm doing the best I know how to do it. I'm trying to be as faithful as I can, God, where you've put me, but this is killing me. I can't do this. Or others, you've been rowing against a future that seems to have no hope, and there is no light. I mean, it's literally middle of the night for you, and you can't see your hand in front of your face, much less your future. Or financially for you, you I mean, you're trying, but man, that, the, the wind and the waves are just, here they come. And it keeps you from making any progress whatsoever. And you feel like in life, in whatever scenario, that you are rowing a boat against the wind and you can't get anywhere. And it's in those times when you say, where was, where's the Lord? Does he even know what I'm going through? You've asked those questions. I know you have, because I have. See, does he know? Hello. He, he saw them being battered as they rowed. He was aware The Bible tells us that his thoughts toward us outnumber the sand on the seashore. That God is fully aware of everything that is going on in our lives. That he knows and he sees even when you are in the deepest, darkest part of the night. He knows. He tells us that we are not hidden. We are not forgotten. He is aware. And for some this morning, that's the hope that you need. That's the truth that you need to understand, that he is aware. You are not forgotten. God has not overlooked you. He has not said, well, I'm not going to deal with that person. He is aware of what is fighting against you, of what is taking all your energy, of what has caused you to have nothing left. He is aware. He wanted the disciples to know that. And secondly, he wanted them to know, and I think wants us to know, that he is also near. Look at verse 48 again. He saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. And around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. So he sees them, he's aware, and then he's going to make them aware of his presence. He wants them to know, not only do I know what you're dealing with, but I am with you, I am near. And so in the fourth watch, some of the old versions say, the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between three and six in the morning, the darkest part of the night, here he comes to them out on the water. And it says that he intends to pass by them. What in the world does that mean? Why, you know, hey guys, how you doing? You know, just <laughs> good luck. You know, I'm sorry you guys can't walk on water. You know, I mean, what, what's he doing? What's he going to walk by? I mean, that doesn't, do you ever wonder why does he do? Why, why would he want to simply pass by them? There's, there's, there's an Old Testament reference or two about when God wanted to show himself to people, that he would pass by them. Moses asked to see God's glory, and God said, you can't do that because you're going to die, but I will pass by you. You can see my shadow. I'll, I'll pass by. Jesus here intends to pass by to demonstrate who he is, and we'll see that in just a moment, really who he is. 
but he intends to pass by to show who he was. He intends to show that he is near to them, that God himself is right there on the water with them in the middle of the wind and the waves. If we're honest, sometimes God feels a million miles away, doesn't he? I mean, you've had, you've had those times. Maybe you had one last night. Kept you up. Or you got up this morning, you said, well, I'll go to church, but I don't see a point. God's not, I mean, you know, whatever. When you're rowing to nowhere, when you're tired, when nothing seems to do any good, when everything that you do seems pointless, God can feel as if he's nowhere near you at all. And they, as we'll see, didn't even recognize him. They weren't expecting God to be there. They weren't expecting Jesus to show up in the middle of all that. They figured, well, we'll see him some other time. And what we'll see is they, they thought he was a ghost. But he was right there. They didn't even recognize him. Let, let me encourage you this week to pay attention to where you see God active in your life. And maybe this week you just need to write it down. You say, you know what, I, I, here's an answer to prayer. Here, here's something good that I did not expect. Here's something in creation I noticed. I've got an app on my phone that shows me and tells me which, what's what in the sky. Stars and planets and so on. And I, and I look every night. And, 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 and sometimes I stand there and I think, wow. Man, you know, the, the God that made all this. You know, I mean, there, there's evidence of, of God, and, and, and I need to pay attention to see him. Maybe it's in the people that you love, or the glimpses of God just in everyday mundane stuff, the things you take for granted. And the times when we cry out and we say, God, where are you? He says, I'm right here. Don't, 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 don't miss me. Pay attention. They were a long way off, but he was right there with them. Thirdly, he was going to show us that he is good. He's aware and he's near, but he's also good. Verse 49. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke with them and said, have courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. They didn't recognize him. After all that he had taught them, after all that they had seen, after all the miracles, all the stuff they'd been through, they still didn't recognize that it was Jesus. In fact, they thought it was a ghost. I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm going to say, really? Come on. I mean, seriously, guys? You don't, do, you not under, do you not recognize me? Do you not know? But he didn't do that. Do, do, you, do, you, see, do you see in this? There's no, there's no rebuke from Jesus here. There's no slap on the wrist. There's no condemnation. There's no shame for not understanding. There is simply reassurance when he says, guys, calm, calm down. It's me. I'm here. <laughs> I've got you. It shows us the goodness of God. In fact, Jesus says words that echo the Old Testament. He says, it is I. In other words, I am. Only God said that. He said, I am. He said, so relax, take courage. That, that means, calm down. See it for what it is. You're okay. It's me, I'm here. I've got you. He didn't get on them, but he comforted them. And, and this little story, this little episode is really just one and so many that show how good God is. 
And ultimately, of course, we see his, his goodness displayed once and for all when Jesus went to the cross. The goodness of God displayed in his love and his justice. And don't miss this. The cross was about both love and justice because God in his goodness is both fully loving and fully holy and righteous. And he is just, which means that he will punish sin and not or and he loves sinners and so God in his goodness out of justice punished sin by taking it out on his son Jesus Christ and in his love forgave sinners because Jesus died in our place do you see the goodness of God displayed fully on the cross of Jesus Christ received by those who will believe in him with all of their faith we recognize that he is near, and immediately we see then he is good. There's nothing to be afraid of. Not the wind, not the waves, not the struggle, certainly not him. He was the one who told them to go to the other side, the one who knew the waves they were encountering, the, the, the one who knows what you're going through. They could have wondered why it was all happening, but he reassures them and says, I'm here, relax, I've got you. And all that leads to what I think he ultimately wanted to reveal to his disciples, which is the fourth one. And don't pack up as soon as you hear this one, because I've got a little bit more to give you. He was aware, he was near, he was good, and ultimately what he's trying to show them is that he is God. It, it says in verse 51, then he got into the boat with them. Oh, God. One more person to row for a while. Thank you. Goodness, I'm so glad. We're tired. Can you handle this for just a little bit? Come over on my side and row. And we, you know, you walked on water, now get in the boat and row with us. What does it say happened? Did Jesus start rowing? No, it didn't start rowing. What happened? The wind ceased. You know why? Because God's in the boat. Because he's there. You know who controls all that stuff? You know who is sovereign over everything? God. When Jesus gets in a boat, it's all gone. All of it. This was just the final thing here to prove in the story that he is God. He walked on water. Only God could do that. Only God has control of that kind of stuff. He was just passing by like God did in the Old Testament. He, he's near to them saying, I am, just like God did in the Old Testament. And he wanted to know that he is, that he wanted them to know he is God. And so when he gets in the boat, everything changes. Even the wind and the waves, it's told in the New Testament, obey him. He never gave up on them. Never abandoned them. Wanted them to know who they were dealing with. I am God. I've got this under control. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with having things under control. And I think what the disciples realized at that moment, which is what I realized sometimes not as often as I need to, is that I don't control anything. They probably wished that wind would stop and the waves wouldn't be so rough, but they couldn't do anything about it except what? Row. Wear themselves out. And they probably cursed the wind and the waves. And you know what they were still doing? Rowing. Wearing themselves out. And it wasn't until Jesus showed up, demonstrated he's God, sovereign, in control of everything, that they finally had rest. That they were finally rescued. 
out of that difficult situation. Now, I'm not going to say to you this morning that just because you're a believer in Jesus Christ that everything's going to be peaceful in your life. Y'all, I've joked about that for years, but I joke being serious because there is no guarantee in any way. In fact, there is the opposite that has told us that for those who know Jesus, this world will give you trouble. But he also said, come to me all who are worn out and I'll give you rest. Jesus never gave up on them. But took them through this process to prove again that he is God. Guys, I've got it. This morning, maybe your prayer simply needs to be, Lord, I'm done. I mean, I am done. I, I I I am not rowing anymore. I'm done. And I need you to rescue me right where I am. God, I need rest from the wind and the waves. God, I know that you may not change all my circumstances, but I got to have you right there in the boat with me. And Lord, I've not been paying attention. And Lord, I've been trying to do it all on my own. I'm done. You'll see there on your outline, there's some stuff in parentheses. Let me encourage you this week. Put that somewhere where you can see it. Put that somewhere where you'll be able to look at it again. Not because it's anything novel, but simply because it's true. And we need to remind ourselves this week of the truth that we're seeing in this Bible story. Jesus walked on water not just to show off, but to demonstrate some things to us, to show us that he is aware. So tell yourself and remind yourself this week, don't give up. You're not alone. He, he knows. He sees. He's also near. So pay attention. Start, start looking for where God is moving in your life. Start seeing him. It will give you hope. He's good. So we can calm down. <laughs> we, we can relax in his presence. He says, take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me. I've got you. And we also see he's God. So, so I can trust him. There's going to be something this week that's going to make you row against the wind. And it may be the same thing you've been doing all along. And so I would encourage you to go back to this story. See what it is that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples and what he wants to teach to us. That he is aware, that he is near, that he is good, that he is God. Stand on those truths as you feel as if your life is just rowing against the wind. Allow the Lord to overwhelm you with his goodness, with his grace, as you give it all to him. The truth is, he could have said to his disciples that time, seriously, guys, I, I can do anything. And I think that's what he's showing them. I've got you. Take courage, he says. Don't be afraid. As you move forward this week, repeat those things to yourself. Remind yourself that he is aware. He is near. He is good. He is God. He's got it under control. Let's pray together. Spend a moment if you need to. Turning over whatever it is you're rowing against. Turn it over to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For some of us, if we're honest, we're rowing against ourselves. It's our sin that is keeping us from moving forward. And the Bible tells us the answer to that is to repent and to be forgiven by Jesus through faith in his substitutionary death on the cross. And maybe today that's what you need to do. Or there's something else you just simply need to lay at his feet and say, God, I'm so tired. I can't do this anymore. 
and I want you to take over. Even if that doesn't change my circumstances, God, I just I want you to do this for me. Lord, I, I know that you're aware, that you're near to me, that you're good, that, that you truly are God. Give it to him this morning.